You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. To Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks Porter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also, and this is new, the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Gilbert, Arizona. That is a shout out to one of our listeners, Kurt Leidinger, uh, who's always supported both Frank and I uh, pretty much everywhere we've gone. Uh, while we're at Brew Hoop, Kurt was supporting us there, and now that we've done Locked, Locked on, he, he supported us there as well. So a while back, I'd asked for a number of out-of-state affiliates, and I guess this is probably outside of my actual duties and my actual affiliates, but that's okay because we have Locked On listeners from all over the place. So shout out to the Locked, or excuse me, to the ESPN affiliate in Gilbert, Arizona. I have definitely not visited there. Um, I don't see myself visiting there anytime in the near future, but it exists, and I'm sorry I haven't been there yet. They do a ton of Bucks talk. Gilbert, Arizona, uh, you know, just a little island of Bucks fandom uh, in in Phoenix Suns territory. We can't explain it. Yeah. Uh, Kurt, Kurt's, Kurt's enthusiasm for the Bucks apparently, apparently, uh, you know, contagious. Um, but yeah, that voice you just heard is the voice of my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Men. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm good. I'll also, shout out Kurt. Uh, uh, Kurt's uh, one of the founders of uh, flooringinc.com. Shout out if you need flooring. This is not part of our live read. What? I want to get paid for this. A, oh, okay. Well, then don't go to flooringinc.com <laughs> for your flooring needs. Because um, Kurt hasn't given us any money for that. No. Uh, thank you, Kurt. Uh, that's, your, that's your free shout out. If you want a little more, uh, you're going to have to pay for Eric's Eric's live read time. That that. That uh, that smooth voice doesn't doesn't do live reads uh, for free uh, normally, but I apparently just did one just for the hell of it. Um, I'm I'm fine. Um, you know, jeez, uh, we're a week away from official media day. We've had yep. like kind of sort of fake Bucks media day at the golf outing, and yep. you know, there's like percolating basketball stuff happening. I don't know. It feels like we're getting close to. Uh, Close to actual basketball. What are, what are we like? A, a like two or three weeks away from a, a preseason game? It, it's kind of crazy. October third, yeah, yeah. And uh, the UEFA Champions League kicked off today, which uh, uh, I enjoyed. Um, I feel like this was a great, great Champions League day for myself and all my soccer loving friends because I feel like most of my friends who like Premier League teams like Liverpool and Liverpool had a big win. Yep, and. Uh, uh, Leo Messi reminded us that he's uh, the greatest soccer player ever. Probably, uh, I enjoyed watching him. And Christian Pulisic, the great American hope, scored a goal, even though it was like really ugly and lucky for Borussia Dortmund. That is uh, the uh, that is the conclusion of Locked On Soccer um, for it, today. But um, we do have Milwaukee Bucks stuff to talk about as well, so that's good. 
Lockdown soccer does not come around all that often. So you no. you know you're only getting it on the biggest days. Uh, so, wow, lucky lucky you guys. Frank's handing out all, all sorts of sponsorships, and you guys are getting outside of the state affiliates. This is this is a special day, Lockdown Soccer as well. Wow, uh, what a day to be a Lockdown Bucks fan. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I'm going to do this right now. Typically, we do this as an afterthought if you want to go over and review the podcast on iTunes. We always appreciate it. It helps us out. Only five-star reviews, though. If you don't <laughs> give us a five-star review, don't give us a review. We don't forget, want forget four we stars. Asked. We don't want forget three stars. Only five stars. Those are the only type of reviews we'll take. Or whatever other podcast apps you use, give us a good ranking there as well. We always do appreciate it. So I guess some of the stuff to talk about this time around. Um, you mentioned, I, I think I... I, I always think of it as faux media day where it's not quite media day, but the Bucks golf outing since it, since it's inception, let's see, two years ago, this is the third annual. So yes, two years ago, since it's, inception, Wait a minute, but they've been, they've been doing, they've been going to golf court. They, they've been having these golf things forever. Haven't they? I just don't know if they've been having the like media component correct. Of it as much. Yeah. Like there's, I, there's always golf outings, but like since the Bucks foundation got started, Two years okay. ago, now the these three have been like official Bucks Foundation golf outings. Uh, so that that's kind of the the prism it, through which I view this because now media is invited to come and we obviously get to, a, a chance to talk to guys a little bit before media day and it's always kind of the weird awkward dance of okay I'm going to get to talk to you for as long as I want on media day. So how much do I really want to ask you now? How much do you really want to talk about now? Like uh, the media days s- setting isn't always the best, but also guys know that they're going to have to sit in front of the media and answer questions. Like they know that that's how it works. So guys are typically a little bit more talkative, but still that's, that's kind of how this day ends up going. The, the nice thing is actually getting to see Bucks players and talk to them. But also the nice thing is we raised a bunch of money for underprivileged kids this time around. And that was really cool. It's something that I've, kind of been hoping the Bucks would do for a while where we've seen kind of other teams do this where you can make a donation and then they will send uh, some some kids from an organization they partner with or something to to games and with Pfizer form that's kind of insane like you think of maybe like bad teams doing this I know the Suns had one last year where they were you know I think it was the SB Nation Suns affiliate was trying to send a bunch of kids to the game and they sent a whole bunch to them, but also the Suns weren't very good. So it's an empty arena and sure there's a bunch of tickets that you can give away. Like this was, this is going to be Pfizer form, a brand new arena with a team that's might possibly win 50 games that has a superstar in Giannis first year in the arena. And they're going to have tickets for these kids and shout out to all of you that Saw Frank tweet about it. That saw me tweet about it. That saw ESPN Milwaukee tweet about it. That saw the Bucks tweet about it. That saw the Bucks Foundation tweet about it, and actually donated money because I think in the end we're going to send like 260 kids to the game, which is which is awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and I, I didn't realize it until late uh, last night, so I, I got my uh, my my ticket donation in a bit late. But um, shout out to you guys for talking about it on air. And we've seen, you know, uh, a number of other cities do kind of cool stuff around this. The Blazers, um, I feel like the BlazersEdge.com uh, crew was kind of like the first ones, I think, that did this. Part of yeah. the, 
our SB Nation friends, um, they have done this for a long time where they send, um, you know, kids who might not otherwise be able to go to basketball games to, uh, to games en masse. And so, um, cool that, uh, you know, whatever, uh, many of us were able to, uh, to do our own little part to, uh, hopefully give a great experience to, uh, to some kids watching, doing what we like to do, which is watch basketball. <laughs> and, um, we don't just talk about basketball, Eric, although we spend way too much time doing that, but we also, uh, we also like to watch it. So the future, uh, locked on bucks, 2042 podcast hosts, we, we may be helping plant <laughs> the seeds for that, um, by sending these kids to, uh, to, to these games. So shout out to, uh, uh, what was it? Who, who did this? The, did the match? Was it LSG insurance or something? Yep. They were matching tickets. So shout out to, uh, to them. Wait, did I just give another free live read? I don't know if I did or it's not. It's okay. But, that, that um, one I'm okay with. Okay. Okay. Good. So, uh, so yeah, good stuff. And I guess we don't know when these games are happening. I don't know if it may be like throughout the year or something like that. Right. Or uh, I don't know what, I mean, what I exactly think, Initially, I was thinking it would be one game, but I feel like 260 seats is a lot for a single game uh, yeah. this year. So I think it's it's good. I feel like it's gonna have to be spread out over multiple nights and maybe yeah, multiple organizations, easier. and it could end up being a whole bunch of fun each night. You get to hear 25 kids in a corner screaming their head off for 10 games. Like that would be kind of cool. So we'll kind of see what that's all about. Frank, we've been talking about seats. We've been talking about live reads. We've been talking about sponsors and the podcast has a new one. We have vivid seats. You've probably heard a lot about them. They're kind of taking it. They're taking over. Vivid seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. We have a podcast code now, LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and listeners can receive $20 off of orders of 200 or more. And, I mean, if you're going to get some tickets to a game, like they can end up being right around there, and you're going to be able to get yourself a good deal when you go to Vivid Seats. They offer great prices and an easy purchasing experience, and they can help you find seats to any of your favorite live events, including sports, concerts, theater, and more. So they can do all of that for you. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Enter promo code Locked On to receive $20 off orders of 200 or more, all Vivid Seats Confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. So if you are looking for Bucks seats and Bucks tickets are going to be difficult to find this year, a first year in a brand new arena with a very good team, it's going to be a tough one this year. And Vivid Seats is the spot to help out with that. So check out Vivid Seats and you can go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. That'll make all of this very easy. So that's our new sponsor. Shout out to Vivid Seats. Happy to have you. Happy to have you around. Guess, guess what? Guess what the cheapest tickets are for the preseason opener, the first basketball game at the Pfizer Forum on October third against the Bulls. Guess what the cheapest tickets tickets are? I, I think this is actually indicative of the interest in the team. But take a guess. What do you think the cheapest tickets are right now? Fifty bucks. Okay, you. I, I may. I totally oversold it. It's fifteen, but to be honest, I'm surprised that it's there aren't some that are even cheaper than that. Just for a preseason game, yeah. Preseason basketball, yeah. I mean, the, the, when the Bucks play the Thunder, uh, October 9th, the cheapest tickets are five bucks in Oklahoma City. Yeah. So, um, so it seems like people are, uh, you know, people are people are actually uh, there's some, some Jabari Parker adventure. revenge game too. You got to get in Park. on that one. Nah, Tony Snell revenge game. That's what that game is. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Anyway, yeah. I was we'll, trying to I'm think sure if we'll talk about that. Funny. I was gonna say I'm trying to think if there's anyone else on the Bucks roster that's a former bull that could somehow get into that. I guess one thing I wanted to talk about, we're going to hit up some of the stuff we heard during the Bucks golf outing. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the piece about the Bucks at cleaning the glass. But one thing I kind of wanted to mention was, you know, the fact that the Bucks people, I've, I've seen a couple people on the internet ask me about this uh, on Twitter and be like, uh, the Bucks have like a rumored, 23 players around their roster and uh bobby marks this morning tweeted out that the rotating door of exhibit 10 contracts in milwaukee continues in our robert johnson and former first round pick james young out our jordan barnett and brandon mccoy bucks are at 20 and still need to sign shabazz muhammad tim frazier and christian wood tim frazier you say huh yeah snuck up on you didn't he uh, all of a sudden the Bucks tweeted out a picture from, I think Kevin Hart. I think that was the, the concert yeah. that the team was at. And lo and behold, there was Tim Frazier. Also, there was Christian Wood and Shabazz Muhammad's hanging out. So the Bucks have a floating group of players. And someone asked me today on Twitter, like, is that indicative of a larger move or am I just bored and letting my brain run wild and i said well you're bored and you're letting your brain run wild like some of these guys are going to get cut some of these guys are going to go to camp and then get cut uh some of them are going to make the roster i don't think there's a large trade coming in here that is going to all of a sudden necessitate all these guys that the bucks are just kind of holding on to like this is this is how this time of the year works like you're trying to get as many guys around as many guys into camp and into your workouts so that you can get a look at them and then eventually pare it down and figure out which ones are the guys you actually want on your roster yeah tim fraser is kind of interesting because when bobby marks was the first person i saw mention that and um he acted like the way he mentioned it sounded like it was like oh that it was, was already known and um then i was like searching around and i didn't really see any other previous indications that tim frazier was going to be coming to camp with the bucks because he actually had like a kind of sneaky solid season with the pelicans a couple years ago i mean he's he's mostly been a journeyman and you know again like like let's let's be very clear here that you know tim frazier is not the answer to anyone's you know dreams of a you know backup point guard or you know somebody who is going to steal a ton of minutes or something like that or, or heck even make this team um you know he has had trouble shooting the ball uh, he has not been an efficient scorer at the NBA level, um, but he's had his moments as a backup. You know, I think he had a triple double a couple of years ago. Um, you know, he's shown some promise at least as a playmaker. Um, so you know, it's interesting that I didn't even realize he was he was a free agent still. Um, that you know, you're going to be able to get him in. Uh, you know, without really making any commitment. Uh, he's 27 years old, uh, out of Penn State University, um, and again has bounced around a bit the last few years, but. Um, yeah, that's kind of interesting, and uh, certainly with all these other bodies uh, that have to, you know, that are apparently going to be in camp. Um, you know, as you said, twenty is the the max roster size. So going into camp, fifteen is what you need to get down to by opening night, plus your two um, your two two way contracts. So um, I, I imagine, obviously, we'll see some more of these names uh, drop off the radar. But um, yeah, I, I I hadn't really looked closely at that picture from whatever it was of the weekend. I think when that Kevin Hart concert was that the Bucks tweeted out, but sure enough, there's, 
Tim Frazier like <laughs> poking his head out from behind somebody. Um, and he, he's a shorter guy. It might have been Kevin Hart yeah. who poked his head out. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I think yeah, I think he's a little taller than Kevin Hart, fortunately. Um, but uh, they should have given Kevin Hart a Tim Frazier Buckster. So that would have really been <laughs> that would have been a heck of a way to announce Tim Frazier being somehow involved with the Mocky Bucks. But um, but yeah, lots of people uh, in camp for the Bucks and. We'll see how it all shakes out, but um, uh, yes, I, I, I don't know if we will ever talk as much about Tim Frazier on this podcast as we have just in the last two minutes, so um, that there it is. Yeah, I would agree. So we'll kind of see how it all shakes out, and, and we don't really know, but we do ultimately know that the Bucks have uh, 14 guaranteed contracts now with Malcolm Brogdon's deal being guaranteed. I think it, we're past the guarantee date. I'm not 100% yeah, it sure. Was, it, it, was, it was like in June or again yeah, in June. So Bucks have 14 guaranteed contracts. So they legitimately have one one spot left and you know a, a lot of people to kind of think through. Uh, Tyler Zeller's still connected to the team. Shabazz Muhammad, Tim Frazier, Christian Wood. Uh so the Bucks have have some decisions to to try to make for that last spot, and then how they fill their two ways. And uh, again, we, we saw this last year. Uh, there were so many guys on that stage last year as the six or so guys trying to make the roster that I forgot them the two or three times I've trying to I've tried to explain it. Uh, so I'm not going to try to do it again. But there's a lot of people, and this this appears to be very clearly what the Bucks try to do. You know, get a bunch of guys that our fringe NBA players and see if one of them pops in training camp. So we will keep an eye on that. All right. To the Bucks golf outing. One thing that we were kind of excited about and we meaning me and Matt Velasquez, uh, one thing we were talking about was neither of us have really gotten a chance to introduce ourselves and actually chat with Brooke Lopez in person. Like we haven't had that opportunity. There wasn't a press conference for Brooke Lopez and his signing. Like he was just, he's just there now. Uh, and he walked up and I can confirm this. He is a, a monster human being. Uh, he has very large hands that dwarfed mine, uh, when I shook his hand and yeah, that, that is, Brooke Lopez looks like you would think Brooke Lopez looks. And I guess the, the thing that was kind of interesting, we had John Horst on with us uh, on Brian, Brian D's show on ESPN Milwaukee uh, on 540 ESPN. And one of the things that he talked about when we mentioned Brooke Lopez and, and kind of what they're about was that this offseason, and it's very clear in their moves, but this offseason – they saw what happened in, against Boston that too often Giannis was seen crowded lanes, was seen just crowds around him in general, and they didn't have enough guys to space the floor and give him extra space. And in signing Urson and Brooke Lopez, and uh, that was something that they really wanted to go out there and do, that they they really wanted to give him more space. And again, I think we've seen them – sort of start to think about this in the past. Like you think of the summer of 2016 when they signed Deli and Mirza Toledovic. Like I think obviously the thought process behind that is, okay, some veterans that can space the floor, don't need the ball uh, and kind of can help out Giannis. Well, they did this again this summer for cheaper, obviously uh, for, I mean, combined about as much as they spent on Mirza Toledovic that summer uh, for those two guys. So I think it's gonna it's gonna be really interesting to watch this team because there's a lot of times where around Giannis they can put four shooters around him and give him that space. 
Yeah, and I, I guess this kind of dovetails a little bit with um, with what we'll talk about here in a moment with uh, this piece on cleaning the glass about the Bucks' offense and how it may differ this year under Mike Budenholzer from last year with Jason Kidd. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think one thing that, you know, often I think vexed us Bucks fans was, you know, seeing John Henson in particular, like, you know, catching the ball 25, well, not 20, 25 feet, but usually like, you know, like 20, 22 feet from the basket and then trying to run handoffs and like run little actions um, away from the basket. And um, look, did John Henson maybe improve a little bit as a passer last year? Eh, sure. I, I, yeah, I, I think we could buy that. Um, but, you know, th- this is kind of one of these things that sometimes you do in order to basically sort of fake spacing um, is you put a, a guy who really can't shoot uh, who who isn't going to space the floor just by standing as a spot up threat? You try to put him in actions where the defense has an incentive to stay close to him um, because he might run a handoff, set a screen, do things like that. And again, not that that's going to like necessarily just vanish off the face of the earth now that Mike Budenholzer is here. Um, but with Brook Lopez, yeah, you can play him at the elbow, you can play him in the post, you can give him the ball in different places. But if he's, you know, over on the wing, 25 feet from the basket, he's not John Henson. He's not a guy you want to just completely leave <laughs> open. I mean, we've seen that when he was, um, I, th- I think back a couple years ago when he was still in Brooklyn, um, he had some games where he really hurt the Bucks with his three-point shooting. And yeah. so having that credible threat off the ball where uh, you don't have to put the hand, the ball in the hands of a center who obviously, you know, is not going to be a great passer relative to some other players on the court, you know, you can actually have the ball in the hands of your playmakers and then use your center to space the floor without needing to kind of have these gimmicky ways of forcing the defense to like, okay, fine. Like I'll come out and get near John Henson because I may, you know, have to do be forced into some action. Right. Um, so I think it just gives you more flexibility. And, and obviously we've talked about that and, you know, so much of it is to do with, you know, giving Giannis space. But as we've also said, Eric Bledsoe also figures to benefit from that because he's also not a guy who necessarily has, um, you know, a great pull-up three game or, you know, the ability to create a ton of gravity with the, by himself as a shooter. But he is a really good driver. And the more you can do to clear those lanes of, of extra bodies, especially um, big men who can't space the floor, if you can create more room in the lanes, um, certainly Giannis benefits, but, but Eric Bledsoe is another obvious guy who could really benefit from that. Yeah, and I think that's... Uh... And I was trying to think of a list of like most exciting things for this year. What what will go atop that list? And I mean, obviously, I think Mike Budenholzer, the coach, does. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit when we talk about the, the cleaning the glass piece. But, you know, just the personnel. Like, I think there's a pretty easy argument to, to be made that the Bucks improved in both of those aspects. And I don't know if you always go into every new season thinking that. You might think, okay, well same coach here. All right. The coaching is gonna be about the same, but they brought in these guys and maybe this coach can get something out of these guys or these guys can be better than the other guys. And then there's other years where you bring in a new coach, but the personnel remains the same. And the overall thought process is, Hey, this new coach is going to get more out of these guys. And I think that's the case with Boonholzer with the guys that were ready on the roster. But the fact that you get that improvement or hopeful improvement, I should say, along with added improved personnel. Like, uh, I, I think that's that's why maybe in Milwaukee there's more optimism around this team than 
there is nationally or, or for those thinking about uh, the bucks not in this market. But to me, that is that is a big part of kind of what what you can be excited about going into this season. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, we'll get a lot more talk of of all these things uh, on Monday, most likely. Um, yeah. We've had kind of some um, hints at at how the Bucks may be changing their, their style a little bit. Giannis alluding to um, setting more screens, moving the ball more side to side, setting more pin down screens in particular. Um, I think at the uh, at the event, uh, the golf event, he mentioned some of those things in particular. And, and that kind of dovetails pretty well with uh, with some of the, the breakdowns that were offered in the cleaning the glass piece, which, again, if you don't have a subscription, um, we are obviously huge fans of cleaning the glass. Um, Ryan Wynn uh, was the author of this piece, and he did a really nice job kind of pulling video clips from the Hawks, which obviously is especially interesting just because as Bucks fans, I, you know, I certainly don't have a great knowledge of the Hawks sets and kind of how they – played under Mike Budenholzer. I mean, I know the kind of general stats and sort of efficiency numbers, things like that, but seeing um, some of these specific plays and really like in detail breakdowns, I think is helpful because certainly that's one of the things we're all trying to figure out is, you know, how is this team going to change the way it plays, the way it looks um, on both defense and offense. And, you know, I think, um, I'm, I'm, I think defense is probably the bigger leverage area for me where I think there's obviously greater room for improvement. Um, but offense is, is certainly a really interesting part of the court is or really interesting aspect of the game as well for the Bucks because um, they already were pretty good, but you do have the feeling that they can be even better. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird to to think through all of this, but just hearing, I think hearing the fact that Giannis might be off the ball a little bit more or moving a little bit more, I think that can be kind of scary to a lot of people because I think so often when you and I have have talked about Giannis and what the Bucks need to do with Giannis over the years, it's always give him the ball, right? Like that's always the thought that you got to get him the ball more. He needs the ball all the time. He should be playing point guard, so he should have the ball. He's giving it up too much. And I think what the major hope is this season is that, okay, Maybe he's not giving up the ball any more than he was last year. Maybe it's the exact same, but his off-ball movements are going to be much more effective. The team as a whole is going to find a way to create better looks, is going to find a way to actually you know, make something of his off-ball movement, of getting the ball out of his hands, rather than, okay, he got the ball out of his hands, but now the Bucks haven't really done anything with this possession, and... They're just looking for him a po- for a post up for him on the left block. Like, why did he even get the ball out of his hands? He should have just dribbled over to the left side himself and started backing the guy down from the three point line. Like, if that was the extent of what you were going to do, so I think that balance is going to be really interesting because, as Ryan laid out in that article at Clean the Glass, and you mentioned the fact that you know we mention it all the time. I can't imagine not having cleaning the glass and listening to our podcast because we reference it that often. Like I, I don't, because we are we're always talking about like the graphs and which ones are blue and red. So if you haven't, not that you have to do anything, but I would be interested to attempt to understand how many of our conversations we've totally lost you on. Um, so sorry about that. Um, but when you think through all of this in what the Bucks are doing. I, I just think the clips that he has, and as he explains it, you can kind of see how, oh, 
the Bucks movement last year was to create certain looks. And again, it got those guys, those looks and it created an offense that ended up being seventh in the league in efficiency. But that seventh ranking was actually closer to 16th than it was to sixth, which is where the Denver Nuggets were. I think the Denver Nuggets were up over 110 points per possession. The Bucks were at 107.6, somewhere in there. I'm not 100% sure on that number. But that distance was larger than what it would have been for them to be dropped down all the way to 16th. So they were seventh, but they were on the upper end of like the – final tier before like the truly elite type offenses. And I I think there's, there's a chance that they can hop into that with Giannis and, and with Mike Budenholzer, but that marriage is going to be really interesting because we really haven't seen Mike Budenholzer have a transcendent offensive talent like Giannis Dedekumbo. And I, I think you and I, uh, this podcast, uh, the general basketball nerddom that comes along with all of that has definitely appreciated Al Horford and Paul Millsap and have always thought they were undervalued, but they're not Giannis. It's just not, it's not close. So uh, to me that, that marriage between Bud and Giannis is going to be fascinating because how does he balance it out? Like how do you try to get those good looks, get that good movement while also getting the most out of your superstar? Yeah, it's 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 interesting, and and I just I have so many questions just because the Bucks were an interesting team because they they scored actually a, a good number of points in transition. They were actually very good defensively in transition as well, um, but they didn't play with a lot of pace, um, and so they they've always been kind of a weird team because it it, it it was hard to tell like how much of you know what the Bucks have done, especially offensively, which just just came down to Giannis is really good and you know when you have him plus Middleton and Bledsoe just kind of going off and rolling the ball out and playing, you know, you're going to be some baseline level of, of pretty good regardless yeah. of, of what you're trying to do. And, and obviously last year, especially, you know, Bledsoe coming in um, at the start of the season without training camp, um, you know, it's not like they had a, a full, you know, month to prepare for the season with the lineup that they ended up playing most of the season with. So, you know, I mean that that's another kind of nice piece here for for the Bucks. Obviously, they're getting uh, a full off season with the new coaching staff, but also um, with kind of all the key players that they've got. They obviously added some guys, but you know, for the most part, the key offensive cogs um, have been together now for for some time, and there's hopefully more familiarity than uh, than you know. Obviously, they had a year ago when Bledsoe showed up, you know, a couple weeks into the season. So, um, so yeah, it, it's going to be really kind of interesting to see just how how differently. Bud uses, especially Giannis, but but I think also you know Middleton. You know we've talked about you know trying to get Middleton out to the three point line more, looking more proactively for three point shots. Obviously the center position, you know, with Brooke Lopez becoming presumably the starter, you'd expect to see a lot more of that from the center position matching up with what he's had at various points with uh, with big men uh, in Atlanta as well. And um, again, you know. Uh, one other positive, I mean, Urson, even though he is sort of new to the team, he obviously has familiarity with a number of guys, including Chris and Giannis, and also with Bud because he played for Bud last year. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I'm just fascinated because I feel like for the last few years we kind of just got used to seeing Jason Kidd and his tendencies and um, <laughs> the frustrations that came with that, but also it was kind of like we kind of knew what to expect at least. Like it was yes. – 
you know, we, we could at least sort of distill it pretty quickly into like, okay, this is what the Bucks like to do. This is the guy way they use guys. This is where they struggle. Um, and, you know, now uh, we, we have a – it's kind of exciting because, you know, hopefully this team looks a bit different. I mean, I think we all want this team to look a bit different, certainly defensively but offensively as well. And um, if, you, uh, if you do have a chance um, to, to read that article on Cleaning the Glass, um, or even if you don't, um, Ryan Wynn, who, who wrote that, um, he actually – put together a PDF file of um, Bud's sets that he used offensively in uh, uh, in Atlanta. So uh, if you go to Ryan's, uh, I'll, I'll retweet it as well, but if you go to Ryan's uh, Twitter feed, it's uh, R-Y underscore win, that's uh, N-G-U-Y-E-N. Uh, I assume that's the Vietnamese uh, spelling there of win, not W-I-N, but N-G-U-Y-E-N. Um, Ryan did post uh, a link to a Dropbox PDF file he put together of all the Hawks' offensive sets. So it's if you really want to, if you really want to geek out, um, Ryan has has given us uh, some some tools to do so. So that that is your homework here over the next uh, couple weeks here as we wait for actual basketball. You can see uh, see what Bud did last year and see if we see those things pop up in the box offense here in the preseason. And uh, we're going to talk about all of this stuff uh, a lot during the season, but just just thinking through uh you know just the idea that you knew what the Bucks were going to do, like you had kind of mentioned, and the fact that you knew what the Bucks were going to do was the first thing on each possession was enter to someone at an elbow. Like oh it won't be gone completely because I'm sure Mike Budenholzer has some sets that enter at the elbow because it's the NBA and there's lots of teams that have those type of sets. But the fact that it won't be every every time down and it won't be to like John Henson or Thon Maker and you know the Bucks might actually have early offense and I this is something I've always said like the Bucks are great in transition but they were terrible in semi-transition or on a secondary break because all they're doing, and I'm trying to think how long ago this was at this point, but it feels like forever ago when I asked Jason Kidd about, hey, are you, you guys are trying to play fast. Do you have a number in mind for when you want to get across half court? And he said 21 was the number. That's what they were always trying to do. And, I mean, this was, I think, his second year as Bucks coach, and we would always watch it, and – the Bucks weren't particularly bad at getting it over in 21 seconds, but they wouldn't do anything <laughs> once they got into over half court. Like unless it was a true transition possession where they could score on, they would just kind of stand there. And I think everything's going to move so much quicker, and everything should hopefully have more meaning. And let's just say I'm I'm excited to learn more about what Mike Budenholzer does on the offensive end and what this Bucks team can look like and finding out all of that because essentially we're all going to learn a brand new basketball team. There's going to be a number of the exact same players, but we are going to learn a brand new basketball team and we're going to do it for the first time in four years. And to me, that, that sounds very exciting. Yeah, and I think one of the things, if you look through the playbook stuff, I mean, um, I think, you know, again, one of the things that kind of just seems to jump out is just players are on the perimeter more. <laughs> like, yep. uh, you know, sets start with guys spaced out more. Um, and there's some things here that, that are going to be familiar. I mean, there's the, the elbow get set, which is, you know, basically a set that kind of evolves into like a, a, 
a 5-4 pick and roll kind of at the elbow, which we saw a little bit on the Bucks run at times um, the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, again, this is just a, a different look and a different philosophy. And, you know, I think, uh, again, um, you know, we've talked about obviously that that Budenholzer's Hawks, especially last year, like, I mean, they weren't good offensively. Um, they had one really good offensive team when they won those 60 games. Um, but for the most part, this has been a defensive team. And, and so yeah. I, I actually find it interesting. I mean, I, I kind of wonder, I mean, I'm not sure if really the – um, I don't know if the Bucks. I'm, I'm not necessarily counting on the Bucks becoming an elite offense. Um, I think you mentioned how their seventh ranking may may have not been as sort of you know elite as maybe that sounds, just because yep. they were not that far from being um, you know outside the top ten. And certainly, if you look on cleaning the glass, uh, cleaning the glass because they take out like garbage time and they filter out certain parts of the game where you know basically the idea is that it doesn't really reflect um, the normal course of the game. Um, they had the Bucks actually at 12th in offensive ranking, so sort of underscoring um, how tenuous their top 10 offense was. Um, so I don't know if you know we're going to see that seventh ranked offense shoot up to you know three or something like that. Maybe it just sort of solidifies. You know that would probably be my. I would be I would be very happy if they finish you know sixth in offense again, as long as it comes with uh, a much better defense. And again, you know I think. You know, to some extent, uh, everybody who has played basketball, I mean, you know, look, like, you know, if you're trying a lot harder on defense, you don't necessarily have as much to give on offense. Like, yeah. there's a little bit of a trade off there. And so, um, again, not that the Bucks just weren't trying on defense uh, last year. I think a lot of it was probably just wasted effort. Um, but uh, we'll see. You know, I think the recipe for me when I think about the Bucks is, you know, improves kind of significantly on defense uh, and then get a little bit better in terms of your offensive results, maybe more, maybe more effective, more purposeful, um, less predictable on offense. Um, and then kind of through all those combination of things, you know, that's where, you know, again, the idea is you, you know, maybe score a little bit more, but you, you know, allow a lot less, um, in terms of, uh, your defense. So we'll, we'll see. But, uh, again, uh, you know, I feel like, I'm. I'm getting giddy now just thinking about actual basketball that we've been without here for a few months. We are so incredibly close. So it will continue to get even closer, and I don't think either of us can wait. I think that'll be enough for us for today. Other thing that's getting closer, actual basketball games, which means you're going to need actual tickets. And a reminder, check out our newest sponsor, Vivid Seats. Use the podcast code Locked On L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you will receive $20 off orders of $200 or more. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Enter promo code LOCKEDON to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more. Big thanks to them. Big thanks to all of you for listening, and a big thanks to Frank. Good to talk to you again, buddy. It's been a little while. I'm happy to have you back. Uh, and we're going to start rolling here a little bit, which means Frank and I are going to have to figure out how our schedules are actually going to work. And, well, that'll, you know what, that's too far inside Lockdown Bucks for everyone. We'll figure it out. It'll be fun. We're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to actual basketball. We'll talk to you, all of you guys later. For Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you later.